Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. What is market research? And why does it matter to us as clinicians? Today, we have an interesting twist on the podcast as I welcome Stephen Fole. He is the market research lead for the U.S. Dermatology Portfolio at Zoetis. And we dive into the basics of what market research is, the different types of market research that they look into, and how it helps us as clinicians. We need to know what clients want, how to communicate with them, what's important to them when we're talking about the management of a lifelong disease like canine atopic dermatitis. And so I learned a ton recording this podcast and just really encourage you, if you have the opportunity to take part in some market research that you become available because it really does allow us to practice better medicine. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Zoetis Pet Care. Well, welcome to another episode of the DermVet podcast. I think this is an extremely interesting topic. As much as we talk about allergic dermatitis and managing that and dogs and how frustrating it can be for us as veterinarians and for our clients, we really need to know exactly what is going on in the market. What are our clients thinking? You know, what are they looking for in the management of their allergic pets? I have my own allergic pet. It's extremely frustrating to be dealing with that chronic lifelong disease that affects the quality of life. So I'm really excited to have Stephen full on the podcast today. So he can really kind of give us, give us some insight into a topic that you know, as a clinical dermatologist, I really don't know that much about. I have a little bit of exposure, but I'm really interested to pick, uh, pick your brain today, Stephen. So can you start by just telling us a little bit more about you, your role with Zoetis? Sure, absolutely. And Dr. Bourgeois, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet with you today. I'm super excited to spend some time with you to discuss the role of market research in dermatology veterinary care. Um, let me first start by introducing myself. My name is Stephen Fall. I'm the market research lead for the U.S. dermatology portfolio here at Zoetis, so everything apical and Cytopoint. Um, I joined Zoetis about three years ago after spending uh, over 20 years in the human pharmaceutical space. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed animal health and specifically dermatology here at Zoetis. It is so refreshing and, re and rewarding to know the work you do has a positive impact on the health of animals, and in my case, treating allergic dermatitis in dogs. Well, and you know, that's essentially what I spend so much of my day doing too. And it really is to provide that quality of life for these dogs that are really um, suffering and itchy and inflamed. And there's so many secondary problems that come with allergies. It's so important that we're always learning about this disease because we just truly do learn more and more every single year. And, you know, when I think about being in the clinic, I certainly can speak to what I see anecdotally, a case responded this way, a client was happy about this. 
But I do think it's important for us to understand what clients and veterinarians are feeling in a broader sense. Like what is the majority of our clientele thinking? What are they looking for? And this is where we really rely on experts in the field of market research like yourself. So can you explain the role that market research plays in veterinary medicine? Absolutely. Now look forward to it. And we're going to discuss um, the role of market research in canine dermatology and how results from these studies can help veterinarians, their staff, and pet owners. But before we jump in, I, I would first love to hear about your experience in participating in market research. Does a specific study come to mind that was extremely interesting or um, you know, that you really enjoyed? And I, I would love to hear about that. Oh, sure. You know, there's a few different things I've kind of had some experience in with market research, which is why I've really found it quite fascinating. Um, I've been a part of a couple different opportunities with other board of dermatologists and actually some opportunities with general practitioners where we've either met together in one central area in person, or we've met online and we get to talk about some of our experiences, um, being in the clinic in hearing from other veterinarians, whether they're other specialists or general practitioners is always really fascinating to maybe hear different ways they're utilizing um, the allergic workup. It's really nice to see similarities to some of the successes and the struggles that we experience when managing allergic dermatitis in pets, but it's also really rewarding just to see some differences and learn how I can always be better at how I'm managing these cases. Um, collaborating, providing problems and solutions so that, you know, a company like Zoetis can potentially implement um, better management and predict pets is really important. Um, I've also been able to take place in part of some studies where we really look at something we may think happens in our anecdotal clinical experience, but we actually want to go as scientific people and prove it and, and make sure that what we see is something that is actually happening. So I've had a couple different instances where I've gotten to be involved in market research, and I really, really find it fascinating. So I'm interested to pick your brain on it. That's fantastic. And, and really, what we do at Zoetis, right, market research is conducted with the goal of uncovering insights to provide that provide value to our customers, but both our internal customers as well as our external customers, including the veterinarian and dog owner. Yeah, definitely. And I guess kind of starting as a person that knows a little bit about this myself, but really this is not my forte or expertise. Can you start with how is market research done? And um, I hear sometimes quantitative research, qualitative research. Can you explain the difference between those? Sure, absolutely. Would love to. And so from a very high level, market research is conducted in one of two ways. The first one is quantitatively. And this is where you're invited to participate in an online survey. You know, typically a survey link is sent to you. And you first need to answer a few screening questions to see if you qualify for the study. And then if you do, you're invited to participate. And from there, a large set of data is collected that can be statistically analyzed and measured. So in its essence, quantitative market research answers the questions such as how much, how many, how often. The second way is qualitatively. This is where you're invited to participate 
in a focus group with one or more veterinarians um, focusing on a specific topic. This could be at a research facility where there's a moderator and there's the glass behind you, or in terms of a one-on-one -on -one interview conducted online and a platform where you're speaking to a moderator about a specific topic or reviewing stimuli, which can be in the form of say product concepts for a specific brand or um, a, a new product description of a product. So what qualitative research does is it answers the questions of the whys behind behaviors or your opinions. Well, so that's interesting because they have different purposes, but they kind of can indirectly affect each other too. Like we need to have the quantitative stuff, but then when we really think about how we're utilizing that and how we're marketing it to our own clients, um, to each other, then the qualitative stuff really comes into play. Uh, what about ethnographic research? Yeah, great question. And it's one of the more interesting qualitative methodologies is ethnographic research. And it's defined as a study conducted through direct observation. And it's conducted in a person's natural environment. So in your case, it would be research conducted at the clinic. And ethnographic research has its origin in the discipline of anthropology, all the way back where animal behavior and activity is, is observed with no interaction or discussion. So for example, like this would be observing people in a specific environment, say like a veterinary clinic? Right, 100% correct. So the key benefit of ethnographic research is naturalism. It captures natural occurring behavior where participants are not asked to conduct a specific action or, or answer a specific question, but what happens to them naturally. An example would be where myself and a team of research would come to you um, at your clinic and observe you treating a dog with atopic dermatitis, as well as interacting with the pet owner. So importantly, we would observe only and not ask any questions as to not disturb the vet-client relationship. This type of research provides deep insights that focus into what people and vets really do and how you really treat, say, atopic dermatitis versus what they say they do, which is mostly based on recall. Have you ever participated in ethnographic research? Or if not, is it something that you'd be open to? Yeah, I have been open to it. I, I actually, what comes to mind as I'm listening to you describe this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this would fit within the ethnographic um, research category, is I did actually uh, take part in a clinical study. And what we were looking at for Zoetis was the additive benefit of Cytopoint. So what I mean by that is we used to say, okay, well, we gave our first injection a Cytopoint. We know we're managing things like infections really well. Um, the dog say gets a certain percentage better, like 60 or 70% better. And we would feel like if we actually repeated the site point month two, month three, we would see more and more improvement in that paritis. 
from allergic dermatitis. And so it was really fascinating to kind of take the concept that a lot of us felt like we were really seeing, but then actually go out and clinically prove it, um, talk to owners, really get their inside of what they were thinking was happening to that pet. And it was exciting to see that work published and, and know that that could help other allergic dogs by changing our thoughts on how we use these therapies, you know, knowing that if we get that benefit that first month, we may continue to see improvement if we continue using that therapy. So I find it a really fascinating um, process, again, as a scientific person to be able to say, I feel like I'm seeing this happen in the clinic but now I can go prove it with other people, um, was really a great experience. I would love to hear about some other specific examples of market research on dogs with allergic dermatitis and their owners. I'm going to guess you have tons of, um, things that you could explain here, but what particular ones could you share with us? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing some studies that I think you, as well as your colleagues at veterinarians would be interested in, um, you know, would love to hear you, your, your reactions and, and comments on. The first one is we conducted a very extensive project called the Allergic Itch Dog Owner Journey, where we explored the emotional and rational journey of itchy dog owners from the first signs of the symptoms through the continuum of care up to the present day. And I'll share some of the more interesting results with you and would love to hear what you think. When owners first observe that their dog is itching excessively, they often conduct their own research via Dr. Google, right? So um, they're really unaware to turn to for the next steps and, and where they get credible information um, about paritis allergic itch online. Any thoughts of how we can steer, steer these pet owners in the right direction at this very important first step? Yeah, it's, that's such a great question. It's super difficult. And I think we have to take a step back when we think of owners wanting to go online and look things up and we feel like, oh, they should really come to us first. We have to really first uh, realize the intentions are good. Like everything's available online. Who doesn't go and Google something when something happens to them? I remember my own son was born with a, a heart defect. And the first thing I did was try to Google online what it was, you know, what things looked like for that. I made sure I was trying to look at quality content out there, but I think we really need to also understand that intentions are good. Now, what we need to do is put good, reputable content out there. The reality is we are not going to stop owners from going to search the internet. We, as you know, people do that as well for other things. So we need to accept that, but provide appropriate education through websites, through good webinars, you know, potentially through ads, social media. Like we have to put the content where people are um, because they're going to look for something. So we can't blame them if we're not going to take the time, but good quality stuff out there that they're going to come across. So I also think this can be done through clinic websites. So you can provide links to good resources. You can make good resources and handouts because we know that a lot of our clients start by looking at our websites. They go to see what we're about, you know, what we treat, success stories. So there's a huge opportunity, I really think, to provide some of these really good, reputable content sources on the clinic website. 
Great, fantastic. And and I can definitely relate because my daughter was born with a heart defect as well. And I did the same exact thing. Right. So that, yeah. like, isn't that interesting? And, and I think that's important. As I was doing it, I was like, I know I shouldn't look into every right. little thing out there, <laughs> but we have to realize intentions are good. So as our field, it's our responsibility to get stuff out there. 100%. So another interesting finding of that study is that on the very first visit to the veterinarian to, to discuss the allergic itch condition and the symptoms, owners are really looking for empathy from their vets. And at times they feel that they're not getting it. You know, when they first come in, you know, they're, they're feeling worried, overwhelmed, unsure of what to do at this next step. Um, understanding perfectly that we're in a post-pandemic world and, and hopefully soon that will return to normal. What do you feel is the best thing veterinarians can do to, to show that empathy for these first-time dog owners? Well, I think you're hitting on something extremely important. Empathy is huge. Communication is so important when we're talking about a long-term lifelong condition that owners are going to have to manage. And it's not what they expected when they got a pet that they're already going to start managing a chronic lifelong disease. And we know a lot of these allergic dogs start at a young age. You know, they may start at two, three years of age, and they weren't really expecting to already be thrown into that. So one thing I've actually, in a way has been frustrating, but I really enjoy is the fact that I have my own allergic dog. So I can relate to them. I can acknowledge, yeah, this is frustrating. Like I think giving them that acknowledgement is really important. This is a frustrating disease. Um, it is one that we're going to have to, you know, spend money and time on the rest of your pet's life but we can work together and we can put together a plan that you feel comfortable with and provides a better quality of life for your pet. But we have to realize every owner is very individual and what they want to do, how much information they want. So I do think you have to get comfortable, um, you know, kind of educating owners, but also realizing that there is going to be a lot of individuality on how we're going to communicate with that particular owner. And I know you guys have lots of stuff, kind of resources for pet owners that can be really helpful too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what we did with this data is we had a couple of different workshops on, you know, what can we do? What types of tools could we provide, you know, both owners and vets to make this experience more positive, especially at that, that first visit. And one idea that's gained some traction uh, for a tool is called the new Itchy Dog Playbook. So think about everything you want to know about canine allergic itch and more. So the content would include kind of the signs and symptoms to watch out for, um, testimonial that allergic itch is a serious medical condition that needs to be treated, the prevalence of itch, treatment options, benefits and drawbacks of each, and a short and long-term treatment plan, as well as fillable pages um, for the owner's comments, thoughts, and feelings, and potential questions they might want to ask the vet. And the goal here is to empower owners to make decisions and have a more meaningful vet relationship right from that very important first visit. What, what are your thoughts on, on this idea or, or something similar? 
Oh, I think it's great. I mean, first of all, any content that you guys can put out to save us some time and stress since the clinics are so busy, we're all about. But I think a lot of owners would really gravitate to this. I mean, we need to acknowledge there is an emotional component to managing this. And so letting owners know that that's normal, like we expect you to write things down because this is something that can be really difficult and frustrating. It'll kind of solidify their concerns. Like, it's okay that I feel this way because this is something that other pet owners experience. It allows them to really recognize that this is a common tough disease. Their feelings are valid. There are many other options that we can work through together, setting things up like expectation flares are going to happen. I think it's really wonderful. Are there anything, other things that you guys have kind of thought about in this category? I I think that's the main um, the main tactic that we're really looking at right now, we just really understand the importance of that, of that first visit, Yeah, you know, being, being important so that the, the owner kind of feels confident in, in, in the, in, in the veterinarian. And then there's a, a, a solid, um, relationship that can be built there, you know, built on trust. So that's really what we're, what we're aiming for is to try and solidify that, that vet owner relationship. That's great. And what do you think about just, um, the, you know, what I'll hear kind of a lot is, well, I I'm almost nervous as a veterinarian to mention something like Apoquil and Cytopoint because I don't know that owners are going to want to pay for that or invest in that. Are you guys kind of working on anything in that regard? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting because that's another insight that came out of this study um, is that veterinarians assume that pet owners, you know, dog owners with allergic itch or atopic dermatitis can't afford apoquin cytopoint and then they start with you know antihistamines or fatty acid or, or things less efficacious um, and in the end using these inexpensive treatments prior to apoquin cytopoint can lead to owner frustration disappointment and by the time they go through this kind of this more right this trial and error process they would spend as much money as if they started with Apoquin and Cytopoint, not to mention the negative impact on their and you know their and their dog's quality of life, as well as kind of the the frustration and and the potential loss of a client right from you know the veterinarian standpoint. So, what are your thoughts on on this, and how can we do a better job practicing best medicine with Apoquin and Cytopoint? you know, using them, these two products earlier in the allergic dermatitis journey? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great question. Something that's extremely important. And I'm really passionate about as far as an education standpoint, we have to keep up with the current literature. We have learned so much about allergic dermatitis, atopic dermatitis in the last even decade, and we're just still learning more. And it's not histamine driven as we once thought. We're learning about the importance of things like cytokines. And that's why we have these effective medications that have been released and are just really changing how we treat this disease process. You know, in my eyes, 
pets deserve to be comfortable. We need to use therapies that are well tolerated and effective. And one of the things I get most nervous about, if we just throw around things like, you know, over-the-counter antihistamine doses, especially for dogs who are truly having acute allergic, you know, moderate to severe itch is we end up not only prolonging their paritis relief. Um, and like you mentioned, that can get more expensive, but we risk if we don't provide quick relief, that secondary pyoderma, that secondary otitis. Um, and to your point, that's expensive because then we have to treat infection. We have to do these other things that maybe we wouldn't have had to do if we had just used an effective therapy, but it also usually means more additional veterinary visits, which that's cost as well. So I totally agree with you. You know, we have to be providing the best, most effective therapies and not just assuming owners won't want to spend finances on it. I walk that through with owners. I say, if we can control your dog's allergic dermatitis, atopic dermatitis better, you know, and we're not having to see me as often, we're not treating infections. If you really just take a minute to really explain that to them, most owners really understand it. So it's important that we reach for these effective medications early in the process. So the trust can be instilled in us as a veterinarian. So we are the source that they will turn to for their pets disease management. Those are great insights. Thank you so much. Um, and just two additional data points that I'd love for you to comment. And then um, I'll ask a final question just before we wrap up. Um, in our latest dermatolog dermatological tracker with veterinarians, we measure the importance of about 20 to 25 different product attributes, specifically when choosing a canine dermatitis prod product. Um, and these attributes are both clinical in nature and non-clinical. And interestingly, one of the attributes that rose to the top, in fact, it was second overall importance is improves the quality of life of both patients and clients. And, we were a little surprised to see that attribute rank so high, but it does speak to the importance. Um, would love to hear your, your comments on that. Yeah. I mean, quality of life is huge. And I, I often think it's actually overlooked in something like allergies and in paritis because, you know, we think, well, it's not a, a huge painful thing that necessarily happens right away, or it's not this thing that has a poor prognosis as far as it's not fatal in most cases. But what we see is a chronic effect on quality of life. And there's lots of studies that really show if you have an owner that is managing an allergic dog, they can get to the point of almost a normal quality of life, even though they're giving medications to manage that disease, but seeing the improvement, having them well-educated, you can improve the quality of life for that. Not only, like you said, the pet or the owner. And I experienced right. this as a, again, a, a unfortunate owner of an allergic pit bull mix. It is extremely difficult, but when she is well-managed, our quality of life is so much better because we're not sitting there saying, Hey, stop, you know, stop licking, stop chewing. Um, Oh, you kind of smell because maybe you have an infection. Like there are so many things that go into quality of life that besides paritis, even that gets overlooked odor appearance. If they have secondary infections, cause we're not managing their allergies very well. Um, there's so many things that play into that, that we don't expect when we get a pet that we'll have to deal with. So I, I think you hit on a huge point and that's probably why you are seeing the quality of life be such an important aspect is it really is important. 
Right, and it it really hits that 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 pet owner pet bond, right? It, yep. it, it, you know, restoring that bond is, is, is so, restoring and keeping that bond is so important. Um, one additional data point, doctor, in terms of Cytopoint, after the initial injection, we found that the follow-up injections are given by vet techs slightly less than half the time at 46%. Is that, is, is that high to you? Is that something that you would expect that after the first injection, you know, less than half vet techs are, are, are giving the follow-up injections? Yeah, I think it, it kind of depends on the case. What I will say is we do have, you know, our, we have, we have a doctor who is present, but we do have our technicians um, do administer some of the cytopoint injections. But what I will say is usually after the first one, I like to recheck them because I want to get, I want to talk to the owner, take the time to make sure it was effective. Um, is this a therapy? What have they noticed? You know, are we often, if we're treating something like infection, how is that looking? I'm going to repeat cytology. So we will have them administer things like the cytopoint injections once it becomes part of part of that maintenance plan. Like we know it's effective. We kind of know what the timeline is for that pet and how long it works, but I do like to see them for that initial, you know, second injection slash recheck to kind of talk to the owner and make sure, Hey, what has been the effectiveness? How are we doing? Because we want to set the expectation for them through effective communication. Makes perfect, makes perfect sense. Um, thank you for that. And just before we, we wrap up today, I'd love to ask you one more question. And that is, what do you think are the areas you would like to see market research or market research at Zoetis focus on? So, you know, how can we best serve and support the community of veterinarians and vet, vet technicians through market research? And that could be, you know, overall or within dermatology. Oh man, how long do you have? Do you have a pen and paper? Um, I have as much as long as you do, doctor. Okay. Um, no, you know, there's so so many great therapies have come out. I mean, really thinking about how much I can manage these cases better, you know, compared to nine or ten years ago, it's amazing. I think right now it's really difficult, and I don't see an end to this. Is we are so overwhelmed in the clinic um, that having time to really talk to owners can be difficult. And so I think all this great information that you are kind of finding, like quality of life and how important that is, and um, owner expectations and why we need to utilize these therapies like Apical and Cytopoint right away to provide really good quality itch relief. Um, those resources are so important because as much as I would love to sit down and be able to come up with my own handouts and, you know, uh, protocols, things like that, um, it's really difficult when you're full on all day in the clinics. So having these resources that you can tell me, hey, from our research, this is what clients want to hear. 
Um, how involved do they want to be in deciding the medical protocol for their own pet? Here's a resource. I know you guys have put good things out, like, you know, working up the allergic dog, really good websites for even owners to fall upon that they can understand the disease process. So continuing to develop resources, um, for clients that have allergic pets, just so we can give them that good quality stuff. Like we talked about. So they're not always Googling, Hey, I remember the doctor said something about about this, about Apoquil, but I don't know. I'm just going to go Google it, being able to provide those things. So we can feel trusted that they are getting the right information and we can guide owners when we might not have as much time as we hope in the clinic to discuss all of these details. So I could go on and on, but I'm going to leave that as my biggest wish is keep putting out these wonderful resources that really focus on that client relationship. Absolutely. And well, we will certainly strive to continue to, to do that and, and, and improve upon that. Um, doctor, I just want to say thank you. I, I really enjoyed this, this experience. Thank you so much for, for having me on. It's, uh, I, I had a really great time. Awesome. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for giving up time in your uh, busy schedule with between all the, you know, market research and getting this content out for us. We loved having you. I think this is extremely important. Again, we can know the meds we can, we need to know how to use them, but we also need to make sure that we're in the business of helping pets and their clients and their owners. So we really need to know what they need from us so that we can provide better care. So thank you so much for being on the Derm Vet podcast today. My pleasure. And I hope to uh, be on again at, um, at some other time. You got it. Bye-bye. Well, I have to say thank you to Stephen for being on the podcast. There's just so much good information. It's really important to realize that market research helps us. It helps us learn about what's happening in the real world, in the practice. It helps animal health companies like Zoetis to come up with the best products and solutions that all of us can use so we can be more successful in the management of these cases. So I really encourage you to consider taking part in market research. There's so many different ways to do it. I mean, there's just surveys, there's things that sometimes they look for us to participate in the clinic. It really just allows us to collect as much information as possible so we can provide better care. This podcast was sponsored by Zoetis, the makers of treatments including Apoquil, Oclocitinib tablet, and Cytopoint. Zoetis is dedicated to changing the way we approach canine paritis to protect the bonds between the pet, the owner, and the veterinary team. Visit scienceofstrongerbonds.com for more information. Some important safety information regarding Apoquil. Do not use Apoquil in dogs less than 12 months of age or those with serious infections. Apoquil may increase the chances of developing serious infections and may cause existing parasitic skin infestations or pre-existing cancers to get worse. Consider the risk and benefit of treatment in dogs with a history of recurrence of these conditions. New neoplastic conditions, benign and malignant, were observed in clinical studies in post-approval. Apoquil has not been tested in dogs receiving some medications, including some commonly used to treat skin and conditions such as corticosteroids and cyclosporin. Do not use in breeding pregnant or lactating dogs. Most common side effects are vomiting and diarrhea. 
Apical has been used safely with many common medications, including parasiticides, antibiotics, and vaccines. For more information, please see the full prescribing information at apical.com. Indications for the use of Apoquil would be control of paritis associated with allergic dermatitis and control of atopic dermatitis in dogs at least 12 months of age. Cytopoint has been shown to be effective for the treatment of dogs against allergic dermatitis and atopic dermatitis.